scripture reading comes today from the book of Joshua, uh, chapters 5, 13 through 6, 7. When Joshua was by, was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord have to say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went in and none came out. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with his king and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do this for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make that long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great joy, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua of Nun called the priest and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear on before the Ark of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true, and it's given to us in love. Good morning again. Over the past year, we as a church body have been focusing on growing and deepening our intimacy with God. And to help us do that, we're encouraging you, hopefully you've been doing this this summer, to read J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. We've also encouraged you to read through the different passages that we're actually preaching through, through the reading guide. And then lastly, we're encouraging the parents to take time to read the Jesus storybook with their children. It's our hope that as we walk through all these things and as we preach through the sermon series, that our understanding of who God is, the world that he has created, the world that fell, and the world that he's redeeming and rescuing, that he's inviting us to participate in his great rescue plan. And through that invitation, we will grow in our relationships with him. Now, as we seek to do this, like the Israelites, we are going to face opposition. And we see that in our story this morning. We see two things. The first is, we see the reality of spiritual warfare. And then secondly, we learn how to fight against it. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful this morning for the privilege of worshiping you. Lord, we come this morning many bearing heavy burdens. 
feeling deeply afflicted. Others coming full of joy. Others coming full of doubt, wondering if you exist. Others coming full of faith. Lord, we ask that you, Holy Spirit, come. That you meet each of us individually, that you meet us corporately. And that you speak through your word. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open to Joshua chapter 5, or you can look on your um, Bible app on your phone or tablet. And the first thing that we see in this story is the reality of spiritual warfare. Now through the years, evangelicals, um, we tend to go to one or two extremes. The first is we, we see Satan under every rock. That's kind of an extreme that we as evangelicals go. The other extreme, the opposite extreme, is that we don't see Satan's presence anywhere or his influence at all. But Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12 that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against cosmic powers of this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil and high places. Now, you might read this story and not think that this story at all points to spiritual warfare. But as we take a closer look, we'll see that it does. The Jesus storybook begins, after Moses died, God gave them a new leader who would lead God's people into a special land God would give them. They had been wandering around in the baking desert for 40 years. Now, I spent one day hiking in the deserts of Arizona, and I thought I was going to die. Can you imagine spending 40 years walking around the desert? That's half a lifetime. The Israelites, they had to be tired of living in tents, enduring sandstorms, and not having any land to call their own. The Jesus Storybook says, And how happy they were to reach the edge of the desert and to see in the distance their beautiful new home right there in front of them, all cool and green and lovely. The Israelites have been in the desert for 40 years and then they're at the edge of the promised land, the edge of Canaan. They can see the beautiful green lush lands before them. However, there was a huge problem. They couldn't just walk right into the promised land. The Canaanites were not going to simply just hand them the keys to their homes and to give up all their possessions. In fact, they had built a fortified city, a city called Jericho, to thwart any foreign invasions. In Numbers 13, 28, says this, the people living there, very large city, and it had walls all around it with towering ramparts. And some of the strongest and most courageous warriors were charged to protect the city. It was literally thought of as impenetrable. Now, while we do not have fortified cities standing in our way, than dictators, 
And we're not simply going to waltz right ahead as we build God's kingdom. Unfortunately, legislation is not going to end abortion or mass shootings or racism. The enemy is radically against the ethic of life. No one political leader or party is going to change the systems that keep people in poverty. No amount of therapy in and of itself is going to heal addictions, resurrect marriages, or stop generational sin. The principalities and powers of this world see these tactics. And like Goliath with David, they mock us. The reality is there are spiritual forces all around us seeking to distract, to destroy, and keep us from the things of God. Yet, as we look at our text, we see that like Joshua, our first instinct is to forget this spiritual reality. Look at verse 13. When Joshua was was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Joshua's first instinct was to look at things from a very concrete perspective. There was Jericho in front of him with fortified walls full of warriors. And then he looked and he saw a man, a man with a sword. And he just simply thought, Are you a friend? Or are you a foe? Like the skeptical police chief in Stranger Things who doesn't believe in the upside down, Lucas says to him, how can you fight evil if you don't even believe in it? So I wonder this morning, how do you approach the fallenness of our world? Do you see the spiritual Or do you find yourself being very two-dimensional? Conservative, liberal, Biden, Trump, green energy, fossil fuels, Fox News, CNN, powerless, powerful, public education, private education. I can go on and on and on. Joshua struggled to see the spiritual. He saw a fortified city full of warriors. And then he wondered if the man standing before him was simply a man, a foe, or a friend. Our story this morning, it teaches us that there is spiritual warfare at play in our world. But it doesn't leave us there. It also teaches us how we are to fight against it. Like Joshua, sometimes when it comes to our own personal struggles and the fallenness of our world, we tend to de-emphasize the spiritual. But I I love how this man responds to Joshua's question. In verse 14, the man said to him, No, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Joshua, you saw a man standing before you, and you were wrong. I am something so much greater 
and mightier. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. And in that moment, Joshua's two-dimensional world suddenly becomes three-dimensional. C.S. Lewis says, The firmament between this world and the next is but a thin veil. And Joshua finally sees beyond the veil. And what is Joshua's response? In verse 14b, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Joshua, he's expecting marching orders. But instead, how do we fight against the Jerichos? With humility. Joshua fell on his face to the earth. Unlimited humanity. He acknowledged with his mind, his spirit, and his body that he was in the presence of the commander of the Lord. Verse 15, take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. The first principle in us fighting against cosmic forces is to repent of our pride, to humble ourselves, and to submit to God. Joshua, you're a great warrior. You've assembled a great army to fight against the Canaanites. But it's not about you or your way. Put aside your plans. Put aside what you think is the right way to defeat the enemy. Put aside your need for recognition and power. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Remember last week, What Moses told the Israelites to help calm their fears when they were facing the Egyptian armies. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be silent. It's so easy for us to co-opt God into our national cultural war. It's so easy to think that we need to speak out all the time. It's so easy to default to what the media wants us to do or what our government wants us to do or what our friends and family want us to do. But the conquest of the promised land was all God. The conquest of the promised land was all God. In actuality, it was an anti-conquest. For the commander, the Lord tells him, the battle is over before it even begins. Look at chapter 6, verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Which brings us to the second principle of how we're going to fight against spiritual warfare. Not only do we need to humble ourselves, we are to watch, wait, and worship God. The plan the commander of the Lord has for the Israelites is to humble Israel. It is to have them march around the perimeter of Jericho for seven days while the Canaanites stood on their towers and mocked them. The Jesus storybook says God told Joseph, I mean jo- Joshua what to do. But it was a very odd battle plan. They had their swords and shields. And we're ready to fight, 
The, but the plan was to trust, to wait, and to do what God said. Isn't this the most difficult thing for us to do when facing a crisis? An enemy, seen or unseen? Yet God says to Israel then, and he says to us today, watch, wait, and worship. In chapter 6, verse 4, seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And then for seven days... You had armed Israelites walking in front of the seven priests and armed Israelites walking behind them as they blew their trumpets and as they worshipped the Lord. And again, can you imagine what the Canaanites are thinking? These people have lost their minds. They think they're going to penetrate our fortress by singing and worshipping this God. And can you imagine what the Israelites were thinking? What in the world are we doing? We're walking around these walls like prey, singing and worshiping the Lord instead of just taking up arms. But the way to defeat the evil spiritual forces in our world isn't through physical weapons. Let me repeat that. The way to defeat Evil spiritual forces in our world isn't through physical weapons. It's not through political parties. It's not through legislation. It's through the worship of the one true living God. I lost my mom in in September. And then I watched my dad suffer and suffocate to death over the next seven months when he died on Good Friday. And then after that, I got COVID. Was sick, I thought it was just going to be a week. Was sick for five weeks. Got better. And then I either had a relapse or I got COVID again. Was sick again. In the midst of all of that, there were a lot of unexpected circumstances and situations that were going on for me personally. I was struggling with my own sin. As I interacted with many of you, I felt the weight and burden of your sin, the brokenness, and all I could see was fortified walls. I'm very concrete. I had completely forgotten the spiritual. And I really, literally, could not see a way forward. And I was so discouraged last week that I reached out to a dear friend. And I told her, I was like, I need you to pray for me. This is what's been going on. And she wrote this, not knowing anything about this sermon. Listen to her response to me. What a season you've gone through. So hard. It seems like the enemy is definitely putting you and so many of God's people on a full court press. I know God's grace is carrying you through and you're learning knowing more of his character in the midst of it all. Keep praising him in the valley and in the midst of the conflict. God continues to show me there is a power in praise beyond our understanding. Let me read that last line again. God continues to show me there is a power in praise 
beyond our understanding. And as I reflected, I felt like she opened my eyes to the spiritual. All I was seeing was two-dimensional. I was seeing circumstances and situations. I was seeing people with swords. I was seeing my own sin. I was seeing your sin. And I couldn't see a way forward. And she was like, there's another dimension. There's a spiritual thing going on here. There's been so much growth and excitement at Hope Chapel. You're focusing on intimacy, growing in your intimacy with Christ. Don't you think Satan wants to take you out and to take everyone at Hope Chapel out as we grow closer to him? And then, I literally had never thought about it. The power of praise is what helps us fight against our enemy. And then as I was studying this text, it was written all over it. We've read the story a thousand times. How did the walls fall? They fell because of the praise of the Israelites, their willingness to worship God. On the seventh day, the Israelite army were to march before and behind the seven priests, playing their instruments and worshiping the Lord. They were to march around the Jericho wall seven times on that seventh day. And by that time, I'm sure they were exhausted. All the armed men were to lift their voices with the seven priests and shout for the Lord. For he has given you the city. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. And when the horns blasted on the seventh day and the seventh time around the walls of Jericho, the Israelites began to roar at the top of their lungs. They began to worship God, to praise Him. And what happened? The Jesus Storybook says it well. The huge, strong wall of Jericho crumbled to the ground as if it were made of sand. And God's people entered their new home. They didn't have to fight to get in. They only had to walk. We cannot fight systematic evil in our own strength. We are limited human beings. But when we, as God's children, humble ourselves, when we surrender our plans to the Lord, and we say, not my will, but thy will be done, when we wait on God, when we watch for God, when we worship God with our minds and our hearts and our bodies, it's powerful. Satan and his demons shudder. The cosmic forces in our world are pushed back. Light overcomes darkness. Truth conquers lies, and God's kingdom grows in our hearts, in our city, and in the world. If you want to know how to bring down the walls of oppression, racism, bigotry in our world, this is the answer. The way we fight the moral degradation around us and restore our priority on life that the Bible tells us, begins at conception, the way we do that is by humbling ourselves, waiting, watching, and worshiping God. 
And so will you see the spiritual around you instead of just seeing two-dimensional? Will you humble yourselves? Will you wait and watch and worship God? As Moses told the Israelites, the Lord will fight for us. You only need to be silent. I want to close the sermon to give all of us an opportunity to close our eyes and to look at our own circumstances and to ask God to help us to see them not two-dimensional, but three-dimensional. And where there's pride in our hearts and we've tried to fight ourselves with our own weapons, that we would humble ourselves, repent of our pride, humble ourselves. And then as you take, the band is going to come, and then we are going to wait, watch, and worship. We're going to stand, and we're going to sing, and we're going to shout, and we're going to sing loud to the Lord. And as we do all of these things, the spiritual forces that are existing here in this room, in the, between the veil of here and now, they will flee. Not just here, but in the city and throughout the world. That is our battle. That is what God is calling us to. So take a moment just for yourself to reflect on God's word. Humble yourself. Repent of your pride. And then the worship team will come and lead us in song.